Uh, Our reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 1. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect." No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, we thank you uh, that you are good news, and we thank you for the good news of of your story, of your life, of all you've done for us and who you are. And we pray that you would excite us afresh this morning of the news that we have to share in Jesus' name. Amen. So my plan was to get out the uh, flip chart and ask you a question and write down some of the answers. And I arrived here this morning to discover that the flip chart is at All Saints, uh, which isn't uh, very useful. So, um, but I do still want to throw it open. When you think of the word gospel or the phrase the gospel... Uh, what comes to mind for you? Shout out, what does the gospel mean to you? Maybe it's a word or a phrase or a part of it. Yep. Good news? Yep, I heard that a couple of times. Anything else? Sorry? Miracles? Yeah, what else? Jesus is life. Any more? Forgiveness? Truth? Truth? Salvation? Hope? Hope. Foundation? Why that? God loves me. Holds me in the palm of his hand. Yep, God loves me. Yep, God loves me, holds me in the palm of his hand. That is good news. Yeah. Got to be shared. Got to be shared. Coming to that, that's good. Thank you. Direction. Direction. You see, the wonderful thing about the gospel uh, is that it's hard to define, isn't it? I mean, even just in a few minutes, we've heard a few different descriptions thrown at us. And the answer to that, is it that, is it that, is it that, is it that? The answer is yes. It's all of those things and so much more. 
Uh, the literal translation of the word that's used whenever you see the word gospel in the New Testament particularly, uh, the literal translation is good news. Uh, that is the most literal translation we have of, that, of the word that's used, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it can't be easily summed up in a pithy sentence necessarily, uh, or a, a four-point sermon, or whatever it may be, that's far bigger and far more complex than that. When you see Paul unpacking the good news of Jesus in his letter, Uh, He often goes into quite a lot of detail, particularly if you try to make your way through Romans, where he's trying to describe the good news of Jesus in detail to those who are new to faith, those who'd come through Gentile belief, those who'd been Jews before. Uh, He's trying to explain the good news of Jesus to different people groups and churches that he's involved in. Even this uh, treatise in 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll look at in a minute, uh, is, it goes into quite a bit of detail. In fact, the, the gospel uh, or the good news of Jesus uh, is so wide and so broad and so deep and so complex, it once took Paul an entire night to even begin to explain it to a group of people who'd never heard it before. One of my favorite stories in Acts, I'm sure you know this story well, where Paul is preaching through the night for so long that somebody sat by a window, falls asleep, falls out of the window, he dies, Paul goes down, prays for him, he comes back to life, they go back upstairs, and what does Paul doing? Continues preaching. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Because the good news of Jesus can't be sort of summed down or or reduced down uh, into just a few words. It is broad, it is wide, it is humongous good news of Jesus. At its very least, at the very least, it is Genesis right through to Revelation, but I believe the good news of Jesus continues way beyond that into what he's still doing today in and through his church and in the world. The good news of Jesus Christ is vast and broad and wide and deep. And it's good news. The good news of Jesus. Which is why when we were forming this statement of becoming, we wanted the sentence to be, we are people who are joyfully sharing the good news. And, and Peter really helped us to begin to unpack what joy looks like and what it means for us. But there is huge joy in the good news of Jesus because of that very fact. It is good news. And Paul begins to celebrate some of that good news in 1 Corinthians 15. It's often considered to be one of the greatest uh, kind of summaries, I suppose, in a way, of the good news of Jesus. And it's very resurrection-focused, but he does focus on other things as well. So I just want us to hone in on these first 11 verses and draw out five things that Paul uh, picks out as to why this good news is so important, or why the news of Jesus is, in fact, good news for those who hear it and those who receive it. And the reason he's doing this and the reason he's laying this out to the Corinthian church, which is messy and broken and divided and confused as to what it means to be followers of Jesus in the first century or second century, that they're struggling to know what it means to be church. They're they're getting some things right. They're getting a lot of things wrong. uh, And Paul is trying to strengthen them and confirm them. He's spoken to them already about communion. He's spoken to them already 
already about gifts of the Spirit and the body of Christ and all those kind of things. And what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 15 is, look, it all comes down to this. Because everything you do, everything you seek to do as a church and as individuals within that church is built on the truth of this good news. Your faith is built on this truth. So it's important you grasp it and you understand it and you live it and you love it and you celebrate it and all the things that he's encouraging them to do. Because our faith is rooted on this. Because it is by this good news, first of all, that we are saved. It is good news That you have been saved by a saviour. You have been rescued by a rescuer. Saved from the consequences of sin. Saved from the life you are heading towards without him. Saved from eternity without Jesus, without God. Saved from the darkness of this world by his marvellous light. You have been saved by a saviour. And that is good news. That is good news. Think of the Chilean miners or those boys rescued from the cavern and how much the world celebrated when they were saved. It is good news you have been saved by a saviour. We need to remind ourselves how good that news is. And he goes on to say... That as part of that salvation, as part of what Jesus brought about, in order to bring that about, he died for your sins. You have been forgiven the grievances you have caused against God, deliberately or indeliberately, throughout your life. Forgiven because he died for you. Because he wiped the slate clean. You have been saved. You have been forgiven. This is good news. Thirdly, he says, the reason this is good news is because it's true. This isn't a fable made up. This is true. And the way that he says that is by saying how this is a testified to truth. That there are people who have witnessed the risen Jesus. Our faith is centered on the fact that we believe that Jesus is alive. That we celebrate a God who is not dead but is alive. That Jesus rose from the dead. And he lists the people that Jesus appeared to to say, if you have any doubt, look at this person's life. They met him after he'd risen. Look at the story of James. Look at the story of the disciples he first appeared to. And if you're really doubting it, remember the fact he appeared to over 500 people in one go. This is a testified to truth that Jesus is alive. And so it's good news because our God lives Jesus is alive it is good news and because of that what he goes on to say particularly through the rest of the chapter is that we have resurrection hope that we are people who live on this side of the resurrection of the risen Jesus and so because of that we rise with him because he was raised we are raised raised with Christ. It's good news that we have hope for eternity, uh, that, that, that death is not the end for those who trust in him. 
This is good news, isn't it? I mean, already that's just four things that Paul's listed in four verses of why this is good news. But then he comes to the real kicker. The thing that for Paul is the, just the ultimate thing about the good news of Jesus. And he does it by way of his personal testimony. It is good news. The story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus is good news because it transforms lives. It changes lives. And he can testify that to himself because his life was radically transformed and changed. The one thing that can be guaranteed, if you say yes to who Jesus is, if you submit to Jesus as Lord, if you surrender your life to him, change is guaranteed. It may not be instantaneous like it was for Paul. It may be for many of us much more gradual than that, but change is guaranteed. Because once we were dead, but now we are alive. Once we were in sins and transgression, now we are free. That changes us. It transforms lives. The good news of Jesus changes lives. And the amazing thing is that the good news of Jesus is doing that as much today as it always has. The good news of Jesus didn't stop changing lives with Paul and the early church. The good news of Jesus is still changing lives today. There is still no greater miracle in this world than somebody discovering Jesus and saying yes to him. And all other miracles were to that end when Jesus performed them. That people may see and know that he is who he says he is. That the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That we can have life with God through him. And when somebody gives their yes and amen to that, there's no greater joy and there's no greater miracle. If you've ever had the privilege of sitting side along somebody whose eyes are open to Jesus for the first time, you will know there's no feeling like it on this earth. There's no greater privilege or honour or joy or wonder of seeing that happen. Of seeing someone come to know Jesus. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Incredible. And I hope it's something that all of us yearn for and long for to see in our lifetimes. And the wonderful thing about this good news is that as well as the gospel being the good news, it is also the power of God in this broken world. The power of God for those who believe. Because the good thing about the good news of Jesus is nothing's going to stop it. Nothing is going to stop the good news of Jesus in this world. Persecution can't stop it. When people try to silence those who believe in Jesus, what happens? The gospel shouts louder than ever before. The good news of Jesus rings louder and clearer in the ears of those who seek to silence him. 
The good news of Jesus rolls through those places more strongly and more powerfully than it ever has. Time does not stop the good news of Jesus. As I said, he's still changing lives 2,000 years on. Uh, The time distance that's been between us and Jesus raising from the dead uh, and gospel, the good news of Jesus is still changing lives today, is still spreading through the world. It's not limited by language. There are people, uh, I mean, the, the good news of Jesus has been translated into more languages today than ever before but there are even people coming to faith in places where it's not been translated into their language through encounters of who he is the risen Jesus it's the risen Jesus the good news of Jesus that's causing a revival in Asbury University it's the the good news of Jesus that is ensuring that people are not going lost in this world nothing can stop the good news of Jesus no decision that's made by the synod or anybody else is going to stop the good news of Jesus spreading through this world. Nothing. Nothing. Because it is the power of God for those who believe. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop him doing his plans and his purposes through the world. And it's still his plan A to do that through you and me. Through his church. Through his gift to the world. So that nobody, nobody can miss out on this good news. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel more than ever this world needs good news. Do you know how deeply you have to look to find stories like Asprey in the news? You have to dig really deep to find stories like that. But actually, as good news as that is, the better news is this. (laughs) The better news is the Jesus behind that revival. The Jesus who is causing those lives to be changed, even today. Nothing can stop him. Nothing. He is good news. This world needs good news, and we have that good news, and his name is Jesus. I think it was Tozer. Don't quote me on that because I'm probably completely wrong. Uh, But I'm pretty sure it was Tozer who said that we need to preach the good news to ourselves every day. Remind ourselves every day of the good news of Jesus. So that is our challenge for this week. Through the season where we're looking at our uh, statement of becoming wanting to try to set things or give things for you to try to kind of work on at home to help you grow in that particular area and the whole kind of concept of the first thing about sharing God's love is to remind ourselves of what it is we're sharing of the good news that we're sharing so here's the challenge that we're uh, that we're setting for you over this next few weeks is that whenever you pick up the bible to read it and especially when you're reading the new testament whenever you come across the word gospel Substitute it for its real meaning, good news. Every time you encounter it. And just see what that reminds you of. See what that invokes in you, that every time you hear of the gospel, whether you're reading the intro to the gospel where it says the good news of Jesus according to St. Mark, or you're reading something about the gospel or how Paul is talking about the gospel, just switch it out and substitute it for a literal translation of good news and see what that does in you. What I hope is, is that it will stir up more and more and more in you a reminder that we have good news. 
And as the writers describe it in our Advent season, good news of great joy to tie up last week to this week. We have good news. Do we not? Do we not? Yeah, it is good news. This is good news. And we may not be able to sum it up or quantify it fully, but we know it's good. And do you know what? Even when it's presented brilliantly or is presented with mistakes and people do it faithfully and people get it wrong, when the good news is shared, Jesus does the rest. When it's time for somebody to say yes to Jesus, it's time for somebody to say yes to Jesus. And we're believing and trusting that this is good news for the whole world. That all may hear, that all may see, and all may know Jesus is Lord. And that is good news.